Bruce goes back to making shitty movies. <laughs> we might have a good time tonight, but don't Bruce get Willis. too comfortable up here because later we're going to be replacing you with Ashton Kutcher. Relax. Relax. Bruce gets along with him fine. He was even at Ashton and Demi's wedding. His gift was a toaster and $90 million. Notes of Gordon Levitt, everyone! He's so cute, so adorable. I bet you eat pussy, but only with the crust cut off first. Isn't that his look? Speaking of crusty pussy, I'll get to you in a second, Sybil. I, um... I know. I know. Martha Stewart, thank you for being here. Seriously, and congratulations on getting that Thai soccer team out of your vagina. Huh? Hear me? Neighbor's got a dog. Which Hello? one? Right, so that was roast of Pusquiles. <sighs> Demi Moore sent the rest to Bruce Willis. Dennis Rodman. Him. <coughs> <coughs> Bruce Willis for the first three Die Hard movies, which makes sense well, because Demi the Moore. last two sucked. I mean, it's funny the things we do for a part. Like, I know that I have dyed and cut and styled my hair, I can tell you how, a million ways, but not Bruce. I mean, that's his real hair. And ladies, let me tell you, the carpets match the drapes. saying whichever place you look it looks like a dick <laughs> but you know when I look back <laughs> over all the years that we've had together we certainly had our ups and downs but I have to say those were some of the best times of my life I just look at our marriage like the sixth sense you were dead the whole time in my action movies there's always some young <clears throat> punk trying to come at me and tonight it's judas gordon levitt <laughs> joe i took you under my wing tried to make you tough tried to make you an action star which ain't easy to do with a kid who looks like the bad boy of figure skating <laughs> <laughs> Now I want to take on the toughest person up here, my friend, ex-con, Martha Stewart. <laughs> yeah, baby. If anyone can survive in prison, it's someone who can toss a salad. <laughs> That's right. Martha's a real corporate kingpin. She even has her own brand of wine. It's like her boyfriend. It comes in an old box. <laughs> you know, Civil Shepherd, my oldest friend. There's people I've known longer, but you are my oldest friend. 
When I got cast in Moonlighting, they picked me over 3,000 other actors because they wanted someone who didn't have a sexual history with Sybil. <laughs> it's so great to be back on TV with you, honey, and another show starring me. <laughs> Kevin Pollack, welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Snoop Dogg warns rappers about taking shots at Eminem. When you see like rappers that like come at him, it's like how could you go at Eminem and not respect what? Because they know he's sitting in the in the shell right now. And what they what they're gonna do is make him pop that motherfucking shell open. What does that mean? Who's again? been going at him? Uh, MGK, right? That was like time ago though. Was well, it? They're not into it. I don't know. But I mean, you know, when people take shots at rappers like that, it's because. That rapper is invisible for the moment, but that's the way to get him back visible when you start opening that bag. Mm -hmm. He still is who he is. Don't get it fucked up. Who, Eminem? Oh, yeah. Yeah, MGK, like, what? Well, it's disrespect to even think he could go at Eminem. <laughs> Do you not agree? Like, what yeah, I mean, uh, Eminem is, is Did you ever get poked at? Has anybody ever poked you? All the time. Really? Mm -hmm. I break nails, though. Nothing that ever pissed you off, though, right? Nah, you poke the bear with your nails, you get your nail broke. Yeah. My mom. It's funny when you see like rappers that like come at him. The other day, a video came out of Governor Whitmer's opponent claiming that Democrats have been working for decades to topple the United States because they're still upset about losing the Civil War and that COVID restrictions were part of some master plan to do this. Now, first of all, what? <laughs> what? What? Imagine if, instead of coming up with a story about how us having to watch Tiger King in our sweatpants was somehow some kind of government plot, um, imagine if, if she spent some time coming up with some ideas to create more jobs here in Michigan, or to get folks more health care, or to improve our schools. That's what you want from the governor of your state. The other day, a video came out of Governor Whitmer's opponent claiming that Democrats have been working for decades to topple the United States because they're still upset about losing the Civil War and that COVID restrictions were part of some master plan to do this. Now, first of all, what? Hey, guys. The other day, hey, guys. a video came out. Hey guys, this looks like a human frog or a frogman. It is clearly wearing shoes and clothes. Here's another strange one. It clearly looks like a sheep or a goat, but the hairdo is very similar to the hairdo of the women. Most historians agree that sculptors caught what they saw. So did the sculptors also see these genetically modified figures in ancient times? Here's a mermaid-like figure. It's clear that it's a woman, and she's in a namaste pose, but the lower half looks scaly and tapered like that of a fish. Is it a mermaid? Right next to it, you can see the double helixed DNA strand. Did ancient Indians experiment with genetic engineering and modify DNA? What do you think? Hey guys, this looks like a human frog or a frogman. It is clearly where. Let's see what the comments say on this. <clears throat>
I feel it is sculpting, not what they saw, but what they did. They are showcasing it as more teaching like usual or a type of cataloging. I appreciate it regardless. Hi, Praveen. You are showing the proof that our ancestors were well-versed than any person in the, in the other parts of the world. Thank you. Regards. I believe that there is knowledge, but that has been lost to time, and only now we have seen the evidence of such miracles. Bro, you are really deserved noble. I think they would wear costumes back then to put more fear into their enemies. The word of symbolic art is zoomorphic. We put shoes on our dogs. I would say the frogs with shoes really wore shoes put on by people, but it could be it had been a genetically modified frogman that chose to wear shoes. <laughs> Interesting, unbelievable, unbelievable. Thanks again, thanks. This is called art. Why in any universe would you assume that they can only draw what they see? Unburnable textbooks. Yes. <clears throat> I thought those DNA strands are snakes. Holy shit, where is this? I think it's more like as is seen in Egypt as opposed to a hybridization program. No, they didn't. This was a completely different race of people around the world. Yes, we did. Maybe these are gestures wearing headgear and masks like in a masquerade. Maybe they have crafted a story from Panch Tantra which used animals to teach moral values. Oh, that's a good idea. Noise. I think she's Nag Kanya and others are Nags too. Nags. Maybe Nags. The first one appears like a clown. Frogman looks like the image found in the Devil's Bible. Thinking critically, consider the ways in which Hindu culture describes, reveals, and as you, Kavin, point out, prompts the observer to lift up the next layer of knowledge. I've heard of a legend who could see the culture in species that could interbreed as if the man practiced the result, not the potential genetic combinations. The ancient text describes seeing a million aspects of humanity and teaching that complex lesson by example. I can't imagine we in the West can comprehend. The gods did those things. Watch way more detailed sculpture of Michelangelo. Here's the link. Naruto. There was one hybrid creature that existed prior to the worldwide flood. The fallen angels that came to earth bred with women as well as female animals, breeding hybrids as well as giants. Likely. I'm sure that they were way advanced than think nowadays. <clears throat> Maybe it was a competition. Maybe they said to the kids, draw the craziest looking dudes. And the winners get their characters made in stone. Maybe it was really just like that. <laughs> yes, of course, but they are not ancient and they still exist on forbidden lands. I want this stuff to be smoking. A troll.
telling us a story and that they sculpted what they saw, comma, and that ancient civilizations obviously, comma, obviously had advanced knowledge of genetic manipulation, <clears throat> comma, there is proof of that in that human DNA has been spliced. Exclamation. Oh, shit. Uh, hey guys, this looks. Hey guys, There's a lot of kids still don't get a proper. If Doug loses the election, will you believe it? Doug's not going to lose the election, so there's nothing for me to believe. Yeah, let's say. If the news comes out and it says that he did indeed lose, is it possible that it's not fraud? It has something to do with this turnout? There's no way a man who had 75 people here supporting him today could lose this election. We already know they're going to try and steal the election again. It's, a, it's an important election. You believe that it is a democratic contest between two people, which means one person will win. If a lot of kids don't get a proper meal. I didn't really sure. think about that. If Doug loses the election, will you believe it? Doug's not going to lose the election, so there's nothing for me to believe it. Yeah, let's say. If the news comes out and it says that he did indeed lose, is it possible that it's not fraud? It has something to do with this turnout? There's no way a man who had 75 people here supporting him today could lose this election. We already know they're going to try and steal the election again. It's, a, it's an important election. You believe that it is a democratic contest between two people, which means one person will win and one person will lose. Is that something you accept? That depends. But it sounds like it's very hard for you to process it or react normally if it did happen. If Doug loses the election, will you believe it? Doug's not going to lose the election, so there's nothing for me to believe it. Yeah, let's say. If the news comes out and it says that he did indeed lose, is it possible that it's not fraud? <clears throat>
got talents. Six 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 mean. Let me explain. The number six 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 means I am the problem. The number six 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 mean. Let me explain. The number six 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 is also known as the number of the beast and refers to the beast of Revelation, a monster that will rise out of the oceans and enslave mankind. In antiquity, the beast was thought to be the greatest opponent of Christianity, the Roman Emperor Nero Caesar. So the number 666 actually refers to Emperor Nero Caesar. We know this because in those times, something called gematria was quite common. Gematria is basically a way to assign a number to each letter. Each letter in Nero's name in Greek is given a number, and if you add all of them up, you get the number 666. It was basically a way to criticize Nero without the state knowing about it. So unlike popular belief, 666 is not the number of the devil, and you cannot use it to summon the devil. What does the number 666 mean? Let me explain. The number 666... Yeah, I don't get it. A lot, a lot of people are interesting, very by angry. The way. It's, like, it's always 50-50 when I go outside. Yeah. It is. It's always 50-50. Either someone's just like, hey, man, you're really cool. That's that's great. Or someone's like, hey, yo, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. 
yeah, you. I always am like, can't be me. Yeah, I don't get it. A lot, of, a lot of people are very angry at me. It's like, it's always 50-50 when I go outside. Yeah, it is. It's always 50-50. Either someone's just like, hey, man, you're really cool. That's that's great. Or someone's like, hey, yo, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> yeah, you. <laughs> I always am like, can't be me. Yeah, I don't get it. A lot, of, a lot of people are very angry at me. It's like, it's always 50-50 when I go outside. I think Donald Trump's going to be a Republican nominee. Um, and as much as we might hate him, he stands a very good chance of uh, being the next president of the United States. He should be taken very, very seriously. Um, I don't know um, if anyone can really defeat him in a primary. But they face reality, say you're Ron DeSantis, you run against Donald Trump, you manage to win. Donald Trump will wake up the next day and do everything he can to make sure you're never president. <laughs> and that's within his power. This is a very weak party. Its literal uh, platform, the written document, is still to support whatever Donald Trump uh, says that he would like. So there, there's no courage in the, in, to, to fight Trump and the Republican Party. It's a bunch of cowards. and. Uh, weak people, and they'll fall in line behind Donald Trump. I think Donald Trump's going to be the Republican nominee. Um, and as much as we might hate it... America. They call Mexico in Central America, Patala. In Sanskrit, Patala means one of the seven regions under the earth and the abode of serpents. According to the myths, an eagle named Garuda transported thousands of ancient mariners called snakes Nagas, there in its beaks. The ancient Indian astronomers knew the continent of the Americas. The Brahmin text concerns the two land divisions, which are North and South America. It faces the North Pole, and Canada is only 1,000 miles away. The west side of North America does resemble a bow, as described by the Vishnu Purana. If this theory from one of India's sacred books is correct, a vast and baffling puzzle arises. From where could the Brahmins have got the information about America and its shape from Greenland to Patagonia? A geographical survey indicates America. They call Mexico and Central America Patala. In Sanskrit, Patala means one of the seven regions under the earth and the abode of serpents. According to the myths, an eagle named Garuda transported thousands of ancient mariners called snakes Nagas, there in its beaks. The ancient Indian astronomers knew the continent of the Americas. The Brahmin text concerns the two land divisions, which are North and South America. It faces the North Pole, and Canada is only 1,000 miles away. The west side of North America does resemble a bow, as described by the Vishnu Purana. If this theory from one of India's sacred books is correct, <coughs> a vast and baffling puzzle arises. From Don't where could the Brahmins have got the information about America and its ship? See what this comment say. The ancient people were more advanced than were being taught to consider Mexico's national flag. The mountain range across Mexico looks like a snake, kind of with the head starting around Texas. Thailand is the same words for snake and eagle. Wow.
The manas, of course. Haven't you seen the old manuscript with detailed blueprints? What's the full title of the video I want to watch? It's in the description. Okay. It's me. Some years ago I had a vision of an African looking person but very big that told his name was Garuda and that he was going to help I obey found out about Garuda from India many years later. Never knew with what he was going to help me as God. Serpent is a symbol of immortality. Garuda is also a company in India, I think, that files and delivers goods and stuff. It's a weird-looking image of a bird <clears throat> from the gods. West side, serpents. Yes, that sounds about right. Moon in the reflection vibes of the cosmos. Very interesting. Look at the flag of Mexico. Is it near the zone of silence? There were detailed maps of Antarctica from the early 1500s made from older maps that accurately show what it was like before it was covered in snow and ice and Indians knowing about North and South America is entirely believable. Folks just won't admit that people have been traveled, traveling the globe well before Columbus. Lovely and thought-provoking. Ancient Indians were Jarwa tribe. East Indians in the Caribbean are the West Indian. They were related. Communicated, visited, and traveled thousands of years before Columbus. My one wish before I pass over into the netherworld, I would love to hear the truth about our planet's history. It's unfair that nearly every person that has ever lived on the blue planet has no clue about its history. It's because the few that know about it keep it for themselves and use it to their own advantage. If you go back far enough, eventually every continent was known. The Egyptian priest who spoke to Solon said the Mediterranean was only a harbor and that another continent lay beyond the true ocean. This was in 500 BC, but a historian would tell you they believed Europe was the whole world then. Maps didn't include the American continents till 1507, somewhere we lost a lot of history. <clears throat> Love these comments, they're very thoughtful, by the way. <clears throat> the last solar mini nova about 12,000 years ago is believed to have hit North America, which is why it was the last continent discovered. They had flying machines in the Ramayanic Wars. Every myth had to come from somewhere. That somewhere is always in a time so long ago it leaves no reason for lies. If nothing's gained at all by lying, the probability of truth is obvious. Sometimes the simplicity of a myth is what makes it difficult to understand. Want more? Yeah, well, there's a dragon in states with feathers and plumes out of its head. Can I get a Quetzalcoatl? We don't understand nor appreciate the ancients isn't to be taken as a mystery. We don't understand or appreciate one another. How can we pretend there's a dichotomy? <coughs> Jambu Divke. 
lava. Earth is breaking, literally contents are breaking apart. It's scary times we're heading into. I kept looking at her, trying to get a sense as to why we have called the flat earth era. It seems it's definitely not flat. However, I'm, I'm noticing all basic continents we've all discovered to learn is on a similar side of earth. What I'm also seeing is why is half of the earth dark, where the sunlight don't truly shine on certain parts of earth, making it insanely dark. What I'm trying to say is we will learn to believe there's a dark side of the moon. Why can't Earth? And if so, are there more continents we are unaware of? Earth is scary if one thinks out of this world. How do British people remember to put an R on the end of words that end with a vowel only when the very next word begins with a vowel? Earth is super hard for American actors to cast someone with a British accent. Mary Kerr. Mary Kerr. I know. They flew over the continent. Maybe that's why they originally called the Native Americans Indians. No. Duh. Okay. No. From Greenland to Patagonia, a geographical survey indicates America. They call Mexico oh, and Central America. Mysteries. Four billion year astronomy knowledge of ancient India. Full documentary Vedic civilization. Boaz mysteries. B O A Z. Hmm. Very beautiful. Statues, museum. Ancient India, a land of sages, saints, and seers, and land of scholars and scientists, is another region that saw more brilliant scientific knowledge in their early periods than later historical periods. Until the latter part of the 19th century, the West's scholars thought that the Earth was a few thousand years old. The basic unit of Vedic cyclical time is the day of Brahma, which lasts 4.32 billion years. The figure is astonishingly close to today's astronomers, who calculate it to be about 4.543 billion years. In case you were wondering, Brahma means Earth's lifespan. 
Although later rulers often embark on ambitious attempts at redesigning their capital cities as a showpiece for the nation's grandeur, the earlier medieval towns of Europe were usually built without any planning, almost by accident as they expanded. The irregular streets were typically narrow with no drainage facilities. However, the ancient cities of Mohenjo-Daro and Harappa in what is now Pakistan were as carefully planned as Tokyo or New York. Adequate water supply, drainage and rubbish disposal were provided. They also had something considered a luxury in Europe and America until the end of the last century. Private bathrooms and bathing pools. Archaeologists have confirmed the surprising fact this brilliant town planning system was in operation at least 7,000 years ago. The people of this bygone era were eventually named Indus Valley Civilization, and excavations revealed that they had spread a staggering 250,000 square miles, which included over 1,600 sites. The bricks with which these cities were built were strong standard-sized bricks. Their immense strength and reliability was used to construct the Karachi-Lahore railway line, more than 100 years ago. It is also remarkable that today, in Mohenjo-Daro, bricks are made according to prototypes from the ancient ruins. This is another example of technology reaching its highest peak in India's distant past, and then, for some reason, progressing no further. From then on, everything was done by replication of the old techniques. The elaborately made cave paintings of Ajanta near Bombay with their distinguishing features, are still admired by foreign tourists and Indian visitors alike. Much has been written about these exquisite works of art, but little has been said about the unexplained sophisticated technology used to make them. These murals are made from some sort of mysterious luminous paint. In one of the catacombs, which dates to the 6th century BC, a picture portrays a group of women bearing gifts. When the light is switched on, the beautiful paintings are dull in colour and lack depth. Nevertheless, when the guide switches off the lights, the figures on the wall gradually appear three-dimensional, as if they were made of marble. The ancient artist obtained this strange effect by the clever use of luminous paints. However, the secret of the fantastic effect is no longer known. In Halavid Mysore in southern India, several soapstone columns stand in a 12th century temple. There are polished strips on one of these coarse finished pillars. A fantastic effect occurs when looking into the mirror-like surface. You will see two simultaneous reflections, both in an upright and upside-down position. The unknown artisan must have extensively studied optics to have created such a remarkable effect. You will see a classic example of superb craftsmanship. There are two minarets dated to the 11th century in front of an ark with a laconic inscription, Swinging Towers, Secret Unknown. The minarets are 23 metres in height, with 8 metres between them. When a group of visitors reaches the top of one tower, the guide climbs to the other balcony, grips the railing and begins to swing his minaret. Immediately, the others start swaying to the amusement of the guests. The shaking minarets are one of only two of a kind in the world and they show that the Indian roots of Indian science are buried deep in time. The mm. Iron Pillar, housed in the same complex as Delhi's most famous monument, the Kutub Minar, 
dates back to AD 402. The pillar, weighing 6 tons and 7.5 meters in height, has continued to capture scientists' imagination since the early 1900s because it withstood India's tropical sunshine and heavy downpours during the monsoons, for 15 centuries showing no signs of rust formation. This provides proof of superior metallurgical skills in ancient India. Aside from the mystery of the column's corrosion-resistant metal, the task of forging such an enormous pillar could not have been realized anywhere in the world until recent times. This type of iron production is possible today due to our advances in technology, but it is surprising to find such an accomplishment in AD 415. The pillar stands as a mute witness to the scientific tradition preserved worldwide by the people of antiquity. These people hold the answers to history and science puzzles, but unfortunately, time has forgotten them. The complex cultures that developed in what later became known as India had numerous skills that were greatly desired by the outside world. One example was the steel products used to make the famous Damascus swords. Metallurgists in India found a way to carbonize iron and thus turn it into steel. Discs five inches in diameter were heated with charcoal for a lengthy period. The iron and carbon formed ferric carbide, a much harder substance than pure iron. India's steelmakers did not want their secret discovered, so the steel was not identified from India. It was thus identified with Damascus. India had alchemy too. The Hindus were skilled in alchemy, and unlike their Chinese and European counterparts, they attributed positive polarity to mercury and adverse to sulfur. They thought that mercury and sulfur were primary elements. Alchemy in India was started in the search for an elixir of life for imparting immortality, and later for the transmutation process for converting base metals into gold. Because the art of transmutation and the production of gold placed its makers in a dangerous position, the alchemists used carefully coded texts and enigmatic charts. This was particularly the case in mainland Europe, where the Inquisition was busy tracking down anyone practicing magical sciences from the East. Ancient India possessed advanced knowledge in many areas. These days, the atomic theory is taught as part of modern physics, suggesting that this theory was proposed in the modern age. The idea of atoms is quite an old one. The atomic structure of matter is cited in the Brahman treatises, Nyaya and Vaisheshika. The Yoga Vasishta states, There are vast worlds within the hollow of each atom, multitudinous as the specks in a sunbeam. The Indian sage Aluka proposed a theory over 2,500 years ago that all metal objects were made of paramanu, or seeds of matter. The Brahmin book contains a curious division of time. For instance, the Siddhanta Shiromani, a significant treatise of Indian mathematician Bhaskar II, subdivides the hour until it arrives at the final unit, Timti, equivalent to 0 0.33750 of a second. How could it have been measured without precise instruments? Even Sanskrit scholars have no idea what required the ancient Hindus to measure time with this degree of accuracy. According to the pundit Kanaya Yogi of Ambatur, the Brahmin's actual time measurement was sexagesimal, and he quoted, 
the Brihath Satyaka and other Sanskrit sources. In ancient times, the day was separated into 60 kala, each equivalent to 24 minutes, subdivided into 60 vikala, each equal to 24 seconds. Then followed a further 60-fold subdivision of time into para, tatpara, vitatpara, ima, and finally, vikashta is one three hundred millionth of a second. It is interesting to note that the one three hundred millionth of a second is awfully mm. close to certain Hyperion's and Mason's lifespans. With that in mind, we are left to ponder how the Brahmins use these fractions of a microsecond. Is this reckoning of time a memory from a highly technological civilization in the distant past? The fact supports the bold theory mentioned earlier that the science of nuclear physics is not new. The Varahamira table, named after the Hindu astronomer and polymath, dated 550 CE, indicates the atom's size. The mathematical figure is comparable to the actual size of the hydrogen atom. Bear in mind, and the atom is so tiny that it would take roughly 50 million atoms of solid matter lined in a row to measure one centimeter. It appears fantastic that this ancient science recognized the atomic structure of matter and realized how small its ultimate particle is. Nothing like this had ever been attempted in the West until the 20th century, when Megasthenes, the ancient Greek historian, diplomat, and Indian ethnographer, talked about the subject of astronomy during his audience with King Chandragupta Mamya in 302 BCE, the latter declared, Our Brahmins believe the Earth to be a sphere. Although this theory has been mentioned in some ancient texts, it is not entirely accepted until Galileo's time in the 17th century. The 2,500-year-old Surya Siddhanta, the oldest astronomy book known to humanity, contains entirely accurate measurements of the Earth's diameter and its distance from the Moon. The Rigveda, the oldest known Vedic Sanskrit text includes a strange hymn concerning the three Earths, one within the other. The Earth has three thick zones, the inner core, the outer core, and mantle. Isaac Newton said the same well over 2,000 years later. Only with scientific advancements and the perfection of instruments have we discovered the Rig Veda's veracity. Knowledge is power, and the priests of India, Egypt, Mesopotamia, and Mexico did not want to share it. The sixth chapter of the Surya Siddhanta states explicitly, this mystery of the gods is not to be imparted indiscriminately. The ancient law had been so strict in India that if a lowly man tried to listen to the Vedas being read, he would face punishment. As mentioned earlier, the Brahmins of India calculated the universe's duration, or the day of Brahma, to be 4,320 million years. The Druzes, who live on the western edges of the Lebanon mountains, set the beginning of creation at 3,330 billion years. The present age of the Earth is about 4,600 billion years, whereas that of the crust is 3,300 billion years. There are strange parallels between these figures. What is extraordinary? is the time calculations of ancient sages being estimated in milliards of years. Cosmic chronology of this type was unknown until this century. 
The Vishnu Purana, a sacred book of India, contains a significant passage about a continent with two lands. The continent is Pushkar, and the lands are Vashas. The Vishnu Purana states that they lie at the foot of Meru in the North Pole. The continent faces Kashira, an ocean of milk, and the two lands are shaped like a bow. Mythological nonsense? The Vedas tell several interesting facts about ancient America. They call Mexico and Central America Patala. In Sanskrit, Patala means one of the seven regions under the earth and the abode of serpents. According to the myths, an eagle named Garuda transported thousands of ancient mariners called snakes, Nagas, there in its beaks. The ancient Indian astronomers knew the continent of the Americas. The Brahmin text concerns the two land divisions, which are North and South America. It faces the North Pole and Canada is only 1,000 miles away. The west side of North America does resemble a bow, as described by the Vishnu Purana. If this theory from one of India's sacred books is correct, a vast and baffling puzzle arises. From where could the Brahmins have got the information about America and its shape from Greenland to Patagonia? A geographical survey indicates means of transport, possibly aerial and technical instruments. Nevertheless, 1,500 years before Columbus, India's civilization did not have ocean-going vessels. Thus, we have another baffling mystery in the history of science. A document written thousands of years ago is preserved in the Indian prince's library at Ujjain. It is known as Agastya Samhita. There are many astonishing passages in this document. They even contain instructions on how to construct an electric battery and how to use the battery to split water into its constituent gases, hydrogen and oxygen. Modern-day battery cells resemble Agastya's technique of generating electricity. Sage Agastya had used the following materials. One earthen pot, copper plate, copper sulfate, wet sawdust, zinc amalgam. Place the well-cleaned copper plate in an earthenware vessel. Cover it first with copper sulfate, then with moist sawdust. After that, put a mercury amalgamated zinc sheet on top of the sawdust to avoid polarization. The contact will create energy known by the twinned name of Mitra Varuna. This current will separate water into Pranavayu and Udanavayu. If we utilize the power of 100 earthen pots on water, then water will change its form into life-giving oxygen and floating hydrogen. The might of Aruna is now called Katha. Watching Pete Davidson as the host of the Gotham Comedy Club. Last year, 
You ever had a pregnancy scare? No? You ain't a man yet. You ain't. You're not a man. This is my second pregnancy scares. I don't even call them pregnancy scares anymore. I call them benchmarks. That's when you need to you take the time to, to rebuild and focus and figure out what the fuck you need to do to be a better person. I had my first pregnancy scare at 17. Yeah, I just learned how to use that dick and I was already fucking up. Already. Already. What age did you lose your virginity yet? You, sir. You forgot? It was a while ago. Who the fuck? Man, I've been smashing so much. I don't even remember the first time. Damn, man. I think I was like 10. 17 years old pregnancy scare. That's like crashing a car during your driving exam. Because like, I just pulled out and I'm already sideswiping cars. There's no instructor. There should be an instructor when two teens are about to have sex, right? Some dude by the bed with a clipboard, like, hey, before you stick it in, what do you do? Check your blind spots. Move your shoulder. The embarrassing thing was, I was a peer educator at the time for Planned Parenthood, so I should have known better. Right? I should have known better. But I'm a shitty teen. I was a shitty teen. I lied during the interview just like the rest of you guys do. It's just I lied to get a, a job that I actually have responsibilities at. But yeah, McDonald's, you are I'm a people person. No, the fuck you're not. I'm punctual. No, you're not. I said all the right shit to get that job. I didn't know anything about sex. And then I would just Google image, STD, print out whatever the fuck came out. And I spoke with conviction. I was like, these are the various diseases that you can contract if you do not protect yourself. Right? I'm a big black man. Speaking in my deep voice, you rap it up. Rap this shit up. One kid pointed out my mistake. He was like, ah, oh, that's pink eye. So put these spits back, put on goggles, all right? Protect yourself at all times. <laughs> then I had a pregnancy scare last year, right before I turned 30. Huh? Scary shit. I didn't even get it face-to-face. -face. I didn't get to deal with the face-to-face -face shit, right? She didn't want to see the look on my face when she goes, it's over. It's over. I feel like if you're single, that's how pregnancy care sounds. It's like that looming voice. Oh, it's over. Hope you got some money saved up. I got to be a text that said, hey, just thought you should know I'm four months pregnant. One, that's really fucking pregnant. That's not like a, hey, I missed my period, be on the lookout. No, four months is like, I hope you've been putting money in those Jordan boxes. You may get a roommate, too. But I didn't panic. I didn't fucking panic. I kept my cool. Because this is what you do. As a man, you're supposed to take time under every situation, no matter the pressure. And I wanted to throw my phone, but I don't pay T-Mobile extra $7 a month for insurance. Fuck that. I'm careful. I thought I was, but... That's what I said to the guy when he was like, hey, do you want to get your phone insured? I was like, who the fuck? What? I don't protect nothing. I'm careful. <laughs> I responded to text like any, any one of you would. I said, uh, who the fuck is this? Good luck. I hope you find who you're looking for, though. <laughs> not ready to be a father yet. Just not yet. I'm waiting until technology improves.
I am. Like, follow me, right? All right, we I got an Apple Watch on, bullshit, a lot of stuff. Does absolutely nothing. It just allows me to see who I can ignore more efficiently. I'm not answering that. That's it. That's all it does. So I know if I wait long enough, technology will start to improve where we can actually, like, it'll be like life-changing again. Like they created an ultrasound that would tell you the sex and the future of that baby. That'd be awesome, right? You know what you're getting before you bring it into this world. Like just a little receipt, just a little click note. That's it, nothing, not a full bio, just a little like, hey, these are the bullet points of what you can, to bring it into this world. Like I knew I wouldn't be here if that existed. Like, I wouldn't. Like, I have confidence. I'm like, oh, funny. Yeah, but that's not the kid you keep. You don't keep him because he's funny. Pull him out at party. Like, look at this little shit. Look what he can do. He's funny. Is he going to be a doctor? No, but he's funny. He's not going to be able to help out and give back in any means at all. But for now, he's very entertaining. So I know I can. I won't be here if that machine existed. It's like, Miss Martin, your son, or be 6'5". 250 pounds, athletic build, and a comedian. What do you want to do? Kill it, kill it out, you fucking sad. I don't want no big ass clown, I want courtside seats. Some people are like, oh, don't say that about kids. Everybody's always sensitive about children. Kids are the future. Yeah, but some of them are pieces of shit. We see them all the fucking time. You see a little shitty kid on the train. You wanna, you wanna fucking donate money to my bad? No, you don't play basketball. You fat. I know you don't play no sports. The lions are dancing, fucking almost kicking you in your face. Been around my way. Kids are super annoying because they don't respect adults, or at least me, because I don't look like one. Like, I always get the kids, like, they'll look at me and they're like, fuck you looking at them. <laughs> I had a kid call me a pussy. I took offense. I'm like, you can't call me a pussy. I pay taxes. <laughs> All right? I'm the reason you're getting a free lunch right now. What? This is a little dark, but I always get a little happy, a little smile whenever I see like a missing kid poster around my way. Just a little, just a little, not a lie. That was yeah, but like, ha <laughs> See, karma, instead of, right? It's just me. But if, the, if I can bring y'all at ease just a little bit, it's the kids around my way, you wouldn't go looking for these kids. Like you would if you like if you seen their picture, you would be like, somebody should find them. Like you, no, because it's never a picture of a kid that makes you care. It's never a picture of a kid who's doing his homework, like studying. Like this. Come find me. I'm changing the world one book at a time. So never that shit. It's always a picture of a kid who just robbed the corner store. He got his middle finger to the camera. It's like fuck y'all. Have you seen Jamal? No, not at all. And I'm not looking for him either. Kids are materialistic, right? They're judgmental, they're fucking mean, and they don't even have shit, but they make you feel bad if you have something outdated. If you don't have the newest Jordans on, they make you feel like a piece of shit. You don't have the latest iPhone, newest video games, they make you feel like a mutant. I used to tutor kids, but I left work every day feeling bad about myself. Every fucking day. So imagine what they'll do to a pedophile. Hey, hey little kid, come get my van. Play my puppy.
Ew, nigga, you still got a van? See y'all later, y'all been on. Live from the Gotham Comedy Club in New York City, Pete Davidson is taking the stage when we return. Stay tuned for more laughs on Access TV. What a show, you guys. We really did it. We really did it. Uh, this just happened. Uh, the Drake tickets got confirmed, so... Yep. I beat God again. Um, I have to do uh, some time now, because uh, that's part of uh, the job. Is I'm supposed to do some uh, time now. So I hope everybody will be voting for Hillary Clinton. Yeah. I'm not afraid to say that because it's like 80% will clap in New York, yeah, not down south, but here always works. Can't really close on a Hillary joke in like Texas. All right, you guys, well, thank you so much for coming out. Uh, please welcome all the comics back to the stage. Chris Milhouse, or wait, everybody come back up, everybody come up. You have a Chris Millhouse, Emily Galati, Joe Bronzi, Monroe Martin. I'm Pete Davidson, I guess. Thank you for coming out. How is it it's only been... 11 minutes on this. Um, Pete Davidson things. I think the his early stuff is good. <clears throat> I think his last, the last bit was kind of uh, mm, underwhelming. You know, a little kind of maybe a little low energy. You know, and wasn't that wasn't funny, man. But the other parts were so. Give him a, what, B-plus? No, come on, Tristan, don't be such a hard grader. Okay, A-minus. Give him an A-minus as a former teacher. Devastating Burns from The Roast of Justin Bieber, Bruce Willis, and more. to be at a roast hosted by Shaq's dick. <laughs> wow, Ludacris and Snoop Dogg are here. If I was 38, I'd be freaking out right now. You might know Ludacris from your mom's That's What I Call Music CD. Come on, let's hear it for Shaq. Thanks for being here and taking a break from throwing barrels at Super Mario. 
please don't eat me. Shaq has shattered eight backboards and 79 cervixes. Snoop's son just got accepted to play Division I college football. Yeah. So Snoop Dogg found out he has a son. Uh, and now speaking of someone who probably doesn't know he has a son, Justin Bieber is here. <laughs> Justin, you know, I lost my dad on 9-11, and I always regretted growing up without a dad. Until I met your dad, Justin. Now I'm glad mine's dead. And now for the greatest transition in the history of comedy. Uh, two people from the movie Soul Plane are here. Soul Plane was the worst experience of my life involving a plane. There is a lot of star power up here. These men combined have made millions in child support payments. Kevin does all of his own stunts. He climbs into his own chair. He goes up on his wife. You know, a lot of people don't know this. Shaquille is an Arabic name for handsome, and O'Neal is the Irish word for just kidding. Shaq's dick is so big, he has to use Dropbox to send a dick pic. Snoop here. Snoop, you look like Shaq's skeleton. <laughs> All these rappers on stage and Martha Stewart has done the most jail time. <laughs> Bieber, everybody. <laughs> Seems like only yesterday fair. you were discovered on YouTube. Time flies when you're a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, Selena Gomez had to f*** you. She is literally the least lucky Selena in all of entertainment history. Yes, you didn't know I am Shaquille O'Neal, Shaq Diesel, and Martha Stewart's baby daddy. <laughs> and trust me, Martha know how to work that mother boy, let me tell you. Once you get Shaq, you never go back, ain't that right, Martha? <laughs> hey, my baby baller here tonight. What's up, Snoop? Snoop made a reggae album. If you're a rap fan, you may not have it. But if you're a reggae fan, I know you don't have it. Got a tiny head. Justin, as a father of six, you got to straighten up, son. You know, last year you were ranked the fifth most hated person of all time. Kim Jong-un didn't even score that low. And he uses your music to torture people. But thanks to that music, Justin is worth over $200 million and in prison, four packs of cools. Just got a tattoo baby. of Jesus on his uh -huh. head. Why you gotta bring Jesus in your mess? That man has suffered enough. I know you're all wondering why I'm here tonight. It's because Martha Stewart changes people's lives for the better. I believe the bedroom is the most important room in the house, but I don't have to tell you that, Ludacris. You have three kids with three different women. May I suggest pulling out some time and finishing on some fine, highly absorbent Martha Stewart bed linens? <laughs> to the reason I'm here tonight, which is to give Justin Bieber some tips to use when he inevitably ends up in prison. The first thing you'll need is a shank. I made mine out of a pintail comb and a pack of gum. 
I found Bubblicious works best, and it's so much fun to say. You see, when I did my stretch, all the hood rats on my cell block wanted to break off a piece of Martha Stewart's ass. So I walked into the chow hall, picked out the biggest bull dyke, and I stuck her. From then on, prison was easier than making blueberry scones. <laughs> Shag, I hope your mom doesn't still hold a grudge. So, Justin, my final piece of advice is call me. Or, <laughs> or not. I'm out there. I don't need no warm up. I've been smoking and drinking. I feel real good about myself. Justin's life changed when Usher heard one of his songs and liked it, which only goes to prove that Usher ain't black. <laughs> now, Justin, most niggas like myself, we go a little crazy when we get famous. But nigga, you bought a monkey. <laughs> I mean, that monkey was more embarrassed than the one that started the AIDS epidemic. It's amazing to have Kevin Hart and Shaq here. Is this a roast or is this Tyler Perry's of Mice and Mint? Uh, Shaq's a very unique player in NBA history. He's the first player in NBA history to have his shoe size, IQ, and jersey all be the same number. Shaq is a police officer in Florida. If you want to escape from Shaq, just jog slowly away from him. That's and he'll fall eventually. <laughs> Snoop is here, Snoop Dogg, Snoop Deal, Double G. Snoop looks like a cool-ass salamander. Snoop, the only way you'll get another hit is if you stand behind Suge Knight's car in a parking lot. Uh, it's good to see Comedy Central diversifying his talent with whatever race Pete Davidson is. Uh, you just look real, you know, just real vague, man. A weird, vague-ass face, and I don't like it. I seem like a nice person, but when I talk to you, I don't have fun. And now, <laughs> Justin Bieber, they say that you roast the ones you love, but I don't like you at all, man. I'm just here because this is a real good opportunity for me. Uh, <laughs> I hate your music, man. I hate your music more than Bill Cosby hates my comedy. Uh, <laughs> listen, I don't have a lot of time, all right? <laughs> I'm currently over at stage 24. Hosting Spike TV's Your Mother's the Fat Bitch Award Show. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, this guy is doing it right. Here's a couple things I know. October 18th, 2010, Bieber accused of assaulting a 12-year-old at a laser tag arena. <laughs> Boom! March 4th, 2013, two hours late to a concert in Dubai because he refused to stop playing a video game. Say what? If anything, not only do you need to continue to live your life with the same reckless abandon, I suggest you turn up the heat. Look, I'm new to comedy, but here's a joke, all right? What do you get when you give a teenager $200 million? <laughs> a bunch of has-beens calling you a lesbian for two hours. <laughs> We're listening to a roast of Justin Bieber with Pete Davidson, Bruce Willis, and more. Snoop Dogg. Bunch of has-beens calling you a lesbian for two hours.
Kevin is so short he calls Lil Wayne Wayne. I love Kevin Hart's career plan. Do everything Martin Lawrence did, only shittier. And Martha, thanks for coming. I know that's probably something you don't do much of anymore. <laughs> making the song Baby together. In fact, he told me it was the only baby he ever made on purpose. <laughs> Snoop Doggy Dog. What's up, man? He's way too shy to admit this, but he was actually the Billboard's top male artist the year I was born. And look at you now, Snoop. You're one of the ten dudes at my roast, sitting right next to Martha Stewart and that Hannibal guy. How cool is this? It's so cool. You made it. James Franco roast. Many of you might not know this, but Seth Rogen has a writing and directing partner named Evan Goldberg. What does this other guy look like that you're the face of the operation? I assume he's like a sweaty Orthodox Jew eating a pastrami sandwich. Hey, Seth, yeah, I added nine dick jokes on page four. And I was thinking that the guys are friends, and then they're not friends, and then at the end of the movie, they're friends again. <laughs> and also, they should smoke a lot of guns, you said. The Lisa Lampanelli's here. Oh, I'm sorry, that's Jeff Ross. <laughs> Jonah Hill, you know, a lot of people are going to touch on your weight tonight, Jonah, but not enough people are going to talk about what an asshole you've become. Quick reminder that if at any point tonight James fully opens his eyes, there will be six more weeks of summer. Sarah Silverman, everyone's like, she's hot for a comic. But I don't agree, because she's not just hot for a comic. She's hot for someone her age. Ow. Um, seriously, Sarah, you were my favorite comic as a kid. Um, and then there's, uh, there's Jeff Ross, who's going to fucking kill me later. Um, I never gave you this compliment before, but... You're actually the reason I decided to become successful. I saw what you became, and it scared the living shit out of me. But seriously, guys, can you please pick up after yourselves? It's going to make Jeff's life a lot easier. Aziz, uh, Natasha, Nick Kroll, um, I'm assuming you guys are James's friends from high school. But I think that is so dope that you guys are willing to get up here, even though no one knows who the fuck you guys are. Can't tell if this is a dais or the line to suck Judd Apatow's balls. <laughs> Right before the show started, Seth rolled a gigantic fatty because that was the only way we could get Jonah Hill onto the stage. Jonah actually gained 50 pounds for his role in the new Martin Scorsese film because the producers wanted the character to be a Jonah Hill type. We are very excited, and I'm just going to say an honor to introduce our next roaster. He's responsible not just for my career, but for every single person's career in this entire room. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the president of Hollywood. Before I start, I just want to say to everyone up here, you're welcome. In no other place but Hollywood could these ten people make the kind of money they make and sleep with the kind of people they sleep with. Seth Rogen, I put you on a movie poster and I said, deal with it. And then I put Barbara Streisand on that poster and the world said, no. Listen, if I wanted to watch two ugly Jews weaving through traffic, I'd watch Seinfeld's web series. And Jonah, I'm assuming you're here because Seth is? People call me all the time and they say, Hollywood, do we really need two of these guys? 
Have you thought about joining the Evolve program? We offer the nope. fastest path to pro art skills, and we can give Certainly you a college-level education. They say, Hollywood, do we really need two of these guys? <laughs> Jeff Ross, hi, I'm Hollywood. We haven't met before. Uh, sorry, haven't been able to do anything yet. Like Enterprise rental car on Christmas Day, I do not have a vehicle for you. Now I come to you, James Franco. But I know it hasn't always been easy for you, James. You overcame a crippling childhood affliction known as dumb face. But you never let that interfere with your dream of making dog shit movies. I just don't know what you're doing. I gave you a chance to be a movie star, make money, hang out with the spider guy. And you said, nah, I want to be an artist. Well, I'll tell you what I told Richard Grieco 20 years ago. Play ball, you squinty fuck. Jonah Hill. I loved you as a baseball analyst in Moneyball, and I love you as Rosie O'Donnell in real life. Jonah was born and raised in Hollywood, and you can tell. He's a name dropper with big tits and an eating disorder. Andy's comedy group is called The Lonely Island, which is how each of his teeth feel. Nick Kroll, your fan must be so excited you're here. No, Nick, I love Kroll show. You are amazing at characters. You're like a chameleon in that you have hideous skin and bulging eyes. Sarah Silverman's had more ugly men inside her than Comic-Con. Kim Kardashian is here. <laughs> oh, that's a Z, sorry. I get them confused. They're both brown narcissists riding Kanye's dick. <laughs> James Franco. Acting, teaching, directing, writing, producing, photography, soundtracks, editing. Is there anything you can do? No, at first I wasn't sure why James would do this roast, and then I saw Spring Breakers, and I was like, oh, he'll do anything. <laughs> James has a new reality show coming out on the Ovation Network. Wow. Finally, something so awful that even TLC was like, nah, we're good. Wow, look at this dais, a word I knew before tonight. Someone must have told the producer that this was a panel of Kenny Rogers roasters, because you guys are a bunch of chickens. <laughs> Thank you. The chicken-based restaurant, I researched that. The lovely Sarah Silverman is here. Mm -hmm. I hate to break it to you, Sarah, but you're getting older. And you know who else is getting older? My mom. I'm scared she's going to die soon. What's that going to be like? Roasted Sarah. Okay, who's my next victim? Uh, Natasha Leggero is here. She's, uh, she's basically a complete unknown, but tonight we're getting paid the same amount of money. <laughs> Here's one. Nick Kroll, Bill Hader, and Seth Rogen walk into a bar. They're there to pick me up because I'm an alcoholic who can't manage my feelings. Nailed, you fucker. Suck a butt. Uh, is there a barista here? Because this roast just got dark. My good friend Aziz Ansari is here. Aziz's parents are from India, and he's from South Carolina. Hey, Aziz. What's it like to have a unique perspective on what it means to be American, you bag of shit? Jonah is so dumb that when he had me over for a dinner party, I overstayed my welcome and he pretended to be tired so I would leave without getting my feelings hurt. You a passive-aggressive sweetheart, Jonah! Expect letters, Comedy Central. If you don't want controversy, you shouldn't have invited the king. Here's a fun fact. James Franco has a tiny dick. James's dick is so small that I had to suck it for like three hours just to get him hard. And then it got way bigger. <laughs> like, scary big. I was like, you want me to do what with that? <laughs> hey, guys, can you try and settle down out there? I'm trying to roast up here. 
I don't go down to your job and knock James Franco's dick out of my mouth. You never take me anywhere, James! So these are classic roast jokes. Jeff Ross knows what I'm talking about. You melting hippo. Look, you guys, this has been great. Let's always remember this. I do think one day Jonah will win an Oscar. Meyer, hot dog eater of the Millennium Award. Also, I think it's so cool that some of you guys were able to travel back in time to 1995 for those Indian jokes you did. That's so cool. So many gay jokes tonight. Wow, so many gay jokes about Franco. Apparently, if you're clean, well-dressed, and mildly cultured, you're super gay now. Is that why the rest of you guys are so aggressively fat and dirty? You think if you read one book and take a shower, dicks are just going to fly into your face? Franco, I don't know you that well, but I'm glad you have me here. And later tonight, I'm looking forward to you coming up here and doing what you do best. Being mildly funny, reading material Seth Rogen has written for you. Thank you guys very much. They say I'm a free boy, and you don't know how painful that is. I'm always typecast as the same guy. You know, the handsome wizard and... Handsome meth dealer and handsome, clumsy amputee hiker. Just once, I'd like to play some of the diverse roles that Nick Kroll gets, like the rat-faced attorney. Okay, all right, so you guys think I'm pretentious. Well, James Franco addressed James Franco being pretentious in his book, James Franco. But it's not just me. Jonah's become since his Oscar nomination. Don't forget where you came from, pal. Sure, you're buddies with Brad Pitt and Channing Tatum, but I was your first handsome friend. Before you get too cocky, remember I was there and this is the end, and you're getting brutally ass ran by that demon. We both know the only way the demon could keep his erection was because he was thinking about me. So all night I've had to sit here and listen to everyone's jokes, pretending to be amused by them, but in reality, the joke's on all of you. This is not a roast. This is my greatest, most elaborate art installation ever. I'm not the real guest of honor. These aren't real comedians, and we're not even on a real network. What you've seen tonight was my brilliant opus to sequester an artistic visionary and subject him to the mindless, incoherent trashings of a scattering of miscreated, talentless abnormalities. <laughs> I call it genius unscathed. <laughs> this is my masterpiece. There's only one thing missing. <laughs> my signature. That says James Franco, bitches. Thank you. Good night. Rest of Rob Lowe. For years, Rob Lowe had a sex addiction, but he cured it by getting less famous. It's not easy being Rob. He said being so handsome made it difficult for him to find meaningful roles. I wanted to ask Brad Pitt about that, but he was too busy acting in meaningful roles. <laughs> Rob was great on The West Wing. You remember that show? I assume your pal Charlie Sheen helped you with that. He's used to working with AIDS.
White House aides. <laughs> what did you get? Oh, you guys, Peyton Manning is here physically. No, come on, we love Peyton Manning. We're lucky to have him tonight. I'll never forget Peyton's career. Sadly, he will. <laughs> Pete Davidson, Pete's dad, never got to see him on SNL because he passed away on 9-11. I hope you watch the news because Congress is doing something huge for anyone renting. Huge. Anyone renting a home, townhouse, condo. Pete's mom has never seen him on SNL because she blinks. Is Pete white? Is he black? And Coulter needs to know if she can decide if she hates him. <laughs> Pete, I actually thought you were black, but I guess you just have your uh, dad's ashy skin. And Ann Coulter is here, everybody. Ann Coulter, if you're here, who's scaring the crows away from our crops? <laughs> 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 you know, Anne describes herself as the polemicist, but most people call her a c <laughs> <laughs> You know, last year we had Martha Stewart, who sells sheets, and now we have Ann Coulter, who cuts eye holes in them. Uh, anyway, Jewel's here. Jewel, uh, I won't make fun of you yet, because uh, I want to give everyone at home time to Google who you are. Um, <laughs> My mom really wanted me to get you to sign this. Uh, I, uh, I don't know what the f*** it is. If it's a phone, it's broken. But uh, she'd really appreciate if you could sign this. My mom came here to see you, so uh, yeah. Let's hear it for Rob Lowe, okay? Right? Rob Lowe. Or as gonorrhea doctors call him, patient zero. <laughs> People call Rob Lowe a bad actor, but that's only because they never saw him tell his wife he didn't f that nanny. <laughs> Jewel is here, or as I call her, Trailer Swift. <laughs> Jewel, I do not want to badmouth you since God already did. No. I think your smile is cute. I feel like your teeth are like the Spice Girls. You know, they're all different colors and they're like doing their own thing. So that's fun. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and without furor ado, Ann Coulter. <laughs> oh, Ann. What's it like to be like a real life super villain? You know, like. I'd ask you how you sleep at night, but I'd assume just upside down in a robe of 101 Dalmatians. <laughs> Ann Coulter has written 11 books, 12 if you count Mein Kampf. Yes. Ann's been called things like a racist, anti-Semitic, homophobic, a white supremacist, and that's just while getting plowed by Bill Maher. Nah. The only person you will ever make happy is the Mexican who digs your grave. I do want to say, first of all, as a feminist, uh, I can't support everything that's being said up here tonight. But uh, as somebody that hates Ann Coulter, I'm delighted. So. 
David Spade, amazingly, um, has slept with some of the most beautiful actresses in Hollywood, proving just how ugly show business makes women feel. <laughs> and Ralph Macchio is here. Who doesn't love Ralph Macchio? Bill collectors. And actual karate masters and, I don't know, real actors and Italians. You know, people. <laughs> and Peyton Manning is here because Eli is still out there making his dad proud. Uh, <laughs> Pete Davidson's ugly. He's actually going on his third year of SNL. It's been a while since I've been there, of course, but uh, you got to help me out now. Is it the fourth year that they finally let you see an orthodontist? Jacked up teeth! Fix that shit! Jimmy Carr's got better teeth than he's British! <laughs> Fun fact. Ann Coulter has a big, angry bush. No joke, that's just a fun fact. <laughs> Ralph played many wonderful characters in the film recently. He played JFK in the movie Killing Kennedy. <laughs> Jesus Christ, hasn't that family suffered enough? Grassy, no! But not as grassy as Ann Coulter's big angry bush. Instant callback! <laughs> <laughs> and who can forget Parks and Rec, where Rob played a guy who misused the word literally. Correct use of the word would be something like, I don't know, um, Rob Lowe has literally had sex with everyone in this room. Except Ann Coulter, because her bush is literally too angry! Yes! Three feet! It's a three feet! They said I couldn't do it! But I did it! I nailed Ann Coulter's bush three times! <laughs> David Spade, our host this evening, doing a fabulous job. David is perhaps best known for his work with comedy legend Chris Farley. Tragically, Chris Farley died when his heart stopped due to a lethal combination of heroin, cocaine, and the stress of carrying David Spade through two movies. <laughs> Nikki Glazer is here, one of my favorites. On Nikki's Comedy Central show, Not Safe, she found out her father is hung like a horse. And we found out Nikki inherited her face from her dad's dick. Pete <laughs> Davidson's here. I'm appalled that people would come here and make jokes about the sacrifice Pete's heroic father made on 9-11. This is not the roast of Pete Davidson's father. That was in 2001. <laughs> and Coulter. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Ann Coulter is one of the most repugnant, hateful, hatchet-faced bitches alive. <laughs> but, but it's not too late to change Anne. You could kill yourself. <laughs> it's 56 days to Halloween, but I see that Ann Coulter is already in her skeleton costume. <laughs> People ask, 
Why is Ann Coulter here tonight? Answer, because the Right to Lifers wanted everyone to see what an abortion looks like up close. <laughs> and you know, Ann, after seeing your set tonight, I think we've all witnessed the first bombing that you can't blame on a Muslim. <laughs> Jimmy Carr. Born to Irish Catholic parents, raised Catholic, Jimmy first knew he was funny at age nine when he made his priest laugh so hard that cum shut out of his nose. <laughs> As I sat here tonight being constantly reminded of my shortcoming, feeling more forgetful lately, it may be the result of a chemical imbalance in your brain. There are five simple words. Sat here tonight being constantly reminded of my shortcomings, surrounded by this cast of mutants. I'm sorry, Anne, racist mutants. <laughs> it hit me. I didn't hit rock bottom 26 years ago. I hit rock bottom an hour and a half ago. How the f did I end up here? <laughs> As you all know, I followed in my father's footsteps, but David, you forged a path on your own. I know you wanted to follow in your dad's footsteps, but he uh, snuck out of the house so carefully he didn't leave any tracks. I just realized that I am not the only athlete up here tonight. As you all know, earlier this year, Ann Coulter won the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> Congrats on that, Ann. Great job. But I gotta tell you, I gotta <laughs> tell you, I have no idea who the rest of you guys up here are. I mean, I've been sitting up here tonight with all these folks that no one's ever heard of, thinking to myself, did I just get traded to the Jacksonville Jaguars? Alec Baldwin. Don't worry, Alec. Nothing said here tonight will be meaner than what you left on your daughter's voicemail. <laughs> of course, uh, Alec's true passion has always been the theater. Alec loves to hit the stage because it can't press charges. <laughs> Alec used to be a belligerent drunk before he became a belligerent sober person. It's true. Alec had a substance abuse problem in the past, but he worked through it and hasn't done anything of substance in 20 years. Now, huh. Alec, sit back, unclench your fists, and I promise this will be the funniest thing you've ever been a part of that Tina Fey didn't carry you through. Robert De Niro is here. <laughs> Looking like Alf. <laughs> I can't even believe I I get to share this stage with you tonight, Robert De Niro. And, and by this stage, I mean the final one of your life. It's... <laughs> Sorry. I don't feel right about any of this. Caitlyn Jenner, I just want to thank you for all you've done for the trans movement and the size 16 stiletto industry. You are such an incredible athlete. People forget 
just how fast you once ran from your first family to go be on a reality show. <laughs> Seriously though, I know being a new mom is hard. But even Casey Anthony knows the current location of her daughter. publicly identified as a woman for a few years, but I just want you to know that I know that deep down you have always been a c and uh, I spell it with a K though for you. I'm such a fan of the Baldwins. I've never been so sure that four people have buried a hooker together. <laughs> <laughs> in all seriousness, I want to thank Alec. Um, in his memoir, he bravely admitted that he had once considered suicide. And I just want to say that I, that meant a lot to me because I have also considered your suicide. And I have some ideas. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm going to wear. Larry Bird is here. I mean, Nikki Glaser is here. the only difference between Larry Bird and Nikki Glaser is Larry could actually pass his 33. Uh, Caroline Ray from Sabrina is here. Give it up. But Caroline, if you're here, that means uh, Salem the Cat must have turned this down, huh? Sorry, Mr. De Niro. We know how much you love that black pussy. here. Caitlin completed her gender reassignment in 2017, finally confirming that no one in that family wants a white dick. show up tonight was Bruce Jenner. <laughs> Caitlyn Jenner, proof that older women in Hollywood get fewer parts. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Ken Jong is here. Yes. Did you become a doctor so you could find your own penis because God knows no one else was looking for it? No. Oh. Speaking of shrimp, I saw your special on Netflix and um, did not know they filmed open mic. So, <laughs> Nikki Glaser, it has been driving me crazy all night. Which 1970s male Olympian did you used to be? <laughs> Nikki, you were an inspiration on Dancing with the Stars. I had no idea you were deaf. TV show, you asked your parents if they had ever done anal, and of course they said, after Nikki was born, we only did anal. <laughs> Blake, you look like nine different races all working together to make sure you never win a championship. 
Hey, Kayla. You goddamn hypocrite. You're like against gay marriage. You voted for Trump. You're like the Auntie Tom of the trans community. I mean, okay. I mean, you did open the door for trans people, but then you ran in and slammed that shit shut behind your flat ass. <laughs> Robin in there, row, baby. It's an honor to be up here with you, man. Robin, man, you've given us so many amazing performances, good fellas, awakenings, but tonight, man, it's gonna be the best one yet. It's gonna be the old Italian man trying to figure out trans pronouns in front of a live studio audience. And John, is it true your wife is named Tran Ho? Oh, I want to meet her. I mean, I'm waiting. I can't wait. I also want to say hello to Kendall's ex. You don't even have to say his name. It's just Kendall's ex. Anyway, Blake Griffin. Blake. Los Angeles to Detroit. Let me tell you, I can tell you a thing or two about switching teams. <laughs> yeah, you're a nice boy. It didn't work out between the two of you. But you're always kind of welcome to come over to my home and know that you're the second best athlete in the house. There's a lot of hate in the world, but we can still laugh at ourselves. And honestly, that's why I'm here tonight. I've seen it all. I've even gotten threats. And I want other members of the trans community to know that if I'm strong enough to sit up here and be ridiculed all night, that you can handle anything. Except listening to Adam Carolla's podcast. Oh my God, that's torture. Adam Carolla is so boring, I've never seen a drier pussy in my life. <laughs> and that's coming from me. <laughs> it is so great to be here. I'm on I'm a judge on the mass singer, so it's Nice to be on another show where you have to guess who the celebrities are, so. I look at Blake and I think, hmm, orange is the new black. Yeah. Alex's wife is so young, he introduces them as 23andMe. Now, <laughs> Alex's daughter, Ireland, is here. She might as well be named Zimbabwe, given the distance between them, am I right? <laughs> but we're really here to celebrate the real star of 30 Rock and SNL. But let's be honest, Tina Fey said no. <laughs> Alex, no offense, but you weren't the star of 30 Rock. And, and with the Nero here, you're not even the star of your own <laughs> roast. You know, it's like, it's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> and like with, with, with Justin Bieber as your nephew, you're not even starved your own family. It's just like, <laughs> it's sad. I'm going to go, sad, or whatever you do. Hi, Bob. I'm Ireland. <laughs> it's good to be here. I almost didn't even know about it because I haven't checked my voicemails for my dad 
from the last like 12 years. <laughs> I actually have a lot in common with the people on this roast because like them, I don't really know you that well either. <laughs> a lot of people only know my dad as an angry guy, but he's more than some lunatic who loses his temper. <laughs> he also loses Emmys and Oscars and custody of his firstborn child. Am I right? <laughs> it hasn't been easy being the daughter of an iconic movie star, but I'm not here to talk about my mother. <laughs> or her Oscar. A lot of people don't know this. Uh, but when I was a kid, Caitlyn Jenner was my middle school track coach. You taught me to jump over the greatest hurdle of all, which is my father's approval. <laughs> Do you know what it's like having a gold medal athlete as your track coach? Blake, you get it, right? You've disappointed a Jenner that's completely out of your league. <laughs> You should have married her, and now you're never going to get a ring. What the f am I doing here? <laughs> Who the f are you? And Coulter, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki is what's known as a dirty comedian. And I don't mean her material. I mean she hasn't washed a pussy since Memorial Day. <laughs> and now, for the only true movie star on... <laughs> on the stage, me. I'm here to teach Chris Red, Caitlyn Jenner, and Blake Griffin how to f black women. <laughs> right. Here's an historical fact. Alex's ancestors came over on the... I'm Ireland. <laughs> it's good to be here. I almost didn't even know about it because I haven't checked my voicemails for my dad from the last, like, 12 years. <laughs> I actually have a lot in common with the people on this roast because, like them, I don't really know you that well either. <laughs> A lot of people only know my dad as an angry guy, but he's more than some lunatic who loses his temper. He also loses Emmys and Oscars and custody of his firstborn child. Am I right? Shit. 
It hasn't been easy. Be what the f am I doing here? Who the f are you? <laughs> Ann Coulter, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki is what's known as a dirty comedian. And I don't mean her material. I mean she hasn't washed a pussy since Memorial Day. <laughs> and now, for the only true movie star on the stage, me. <laughs> Critics say I have a unique quality as an actor. I actually like Alec Baldwin. And I'm happy to be here for Alec, but honestly, I'm here to teach Chris Redd, Caitlyn Jenner, and Blake Griffin how to f black women. <laughs> Here's an historical fact. Alec's ancestors came over on the Mayflower. Alex's great, 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 great grandfather was the first white man to punch a Native American in the face. That's a fact. Now Alec is doing it to paparazzi. And he doesn't care who he hits. I once saw him take a selfie and punch his own face. <laughs> You've starred in huge blockbuster movies, Alec, and now you're hosting a game show? I'd say you're about a year and a half away from doing commercials for reverse mortgages. <laughs> Alec, I want to thank you for inviting me to do this. Now Rocky and Bullwinkle won't be the most embarrassing thing I've ever done. Sean, you have the face of a ventriloquist doll and the asshole of a much larger ventriloquist doll. Blake Griffin, my gift to you is bringing awareness to whatever tragic skin disease it is you have. <laughs> You're a remarkable man, Blake. I wish we were as close as your eyes are. What devastating comment could I make about Nikki Glaser that she hasn't already muttered to herself in a mirror at Equinox? <laughs> when I was five years old, What's my biological mother left me on a subway station holding my three-year-old brother. <laughs> Caroline Ray, Caroline, I just love you. You are so open and honest. Backstage, she told all of us she hasn't been laid in so long. She went through Caitlyn Jenner's trash looking for Dick. Caitlyn Jenner is an American.